Welcome to Let's Talk About Life, a podcast brought to you by LifeBank, the organ, eye, and tissue recovery agency in Northeast Ohio. Donation can be a complicated subject, but it is really all about life. So spend a few minutes as we unravel the complexities of donation. So come on, let's talk about life. As March blends into April, we begin the celebration of National Donate Life Month, a time when we call on our supporters, partners, and you to share the life-saving mission of organ donation. At LifeBank, we're focused on deceased donation, but obviously understand that there are many ways to save and heal the lives of those in need. Our last episode thoroughly explored living kidney donation to provide hope to individuals waiting for a kidney transplant. In the past, we've organized blood donor drives and have appreciated the critical need for blood to heal and save lives as well. There are still many other ways to save lives. And our guest has done just about all she can to help others through her selfless donation. Hi. You're listening to episode 97 of Let's Talk About Life. I'm your host, Colleen Gerber, kidney recipient and LifeBank staff member. Recently, we were given a gift at LifeBank. We received an email from Karen Ormiston inquiring about getting involved. When we heard Karen's story, we were not only impressed with her giving spirit, but the many connections to donation. And we think you'll be pretty impressed as well. But before we begin our conversation with Karen, I wanted to let you know we are excited that we will have a second guest a little bit later on in this episode. LifeBank partner Browse McDowell generously sponsored two episodes of Let's Talk About Life. And we are lucky enough to have a representative from Browse to share his personal connection to donation and transplantation. So stay tuned for Jerry Whitmer to join us in just a little bit. Now on to learn about Karen Ormiston and the many connections she has with donation and transplantation. Karen, thanks for contacting LifeBank and being so willing to share your story with us. Sure, glad to do it. Your story really begins back in 1996 when you became a bone marrow donor. What drove your decision to donate bone marrow? It was really just a fluke. A co-worker had a nephew a Boy Scouts group, and they were doing a bone marrow drive. And so I went there, and I was a match. Once they told me I was, it was almost a perfect match, there was no way I could say no. I was glad to do it. Uh, It was anonymous, so I didn't know who it was going to at the time. It was through the American Red Cross, and they did let us exchange anonymous letters to each other for the first year. But that's all I I knew about him was was just very, very general, not even where he lived. Yeah, it's, it's the same with organ donation. We have those same kinds of processes in place. And actually, you were a match for two people, but sadly, one of the individuals passed away because they didn't receive the transplant in time. But what was the experience like with the person who successfully received your bone marrow? It was just wonderful. 
I do know that he had some medical issues at the beginning, but he got through it. And uh, I, I was able to meet him a year later. After the year went by, the Red Cross shared our names with each other since we both wanted it. And my company had said, we'll send you to Boston where it's located and you can meet him face to face. And the Red Cross asked if we would publicize this, you know, the need for people to get on the Bomero uh, list and see if we could help them out that way, which we're both glad to do. So we spent time talking to the media in Boston and, and in Cleveland, and, and he was just wonderful. He was so full of joy. He introduced us to his entire family. He spent the day with us, taking us around Boston. It was just absolutely wonderful. Boston's a pretty cool town, yeah. So I imagine you both had a very good time. Oh, we absolutely did. You shared with us when you reached out, around the age of 50, you began thinking of living organ donation. What inspired you to look into that and then what happened next? Well, the person who had received my bone marrow, at the time he was only 39, and his children were young, and uh, he was actually just three years younger than me at the time. And years later, he sent me a picture of his first grandchild, which uh, just, just really touched me. And at the same time, see, I had a perfect physical, and I thought, is there anything else I can do to help somebody else? Is there anything else I can give to help somebody else live? And so I did a lot of research, and I talked to somebody who had given his kidney, and I actually looked into doing the partial liver as well. But I, you know, I thought about the kidney more. I think the success rate at the time was much greater. And I contacted the Cleveland Clinic Foundation, uh, where I gave the bone marrow donation, and I said, I'd like to give my kidney. It, it was just for that reason, because I was so extremely fortunate to be able to do something for the bone marrow recipient. I wanted to do that for somebody else because I felt so grateful to be able to have that opportunity. That's amazing. And we mentioned in our episode last week that the living donor receives something for giving that gift of life, and that's being proud and just rejoice in the fact that they were able to help somebody else. Oh, absolutely. Obviously, things went through and you had your kidney recovery or nephrectomy at the Cleveland Clinic. Can you share what that experience was like for you personally? The Cleveland Clinic first made sure I was very healthy. They put me through a lot of physical tests and they checked my emotional status as well. I want to make sure I was in the right place to do this. And then I was prepared. They told me exactly what to expect. The surgery itself was very, very easy. They, I have, it was just a very, very tiny scar. So you can't even tell by looking at me that I had anything done. I don't remember exactly. I think it was a hospital for three days, I think. And a home recovering for almost three weeks. But, you know, just had to take it slow. It did hurt, <laughs> but I recovered well, and I've had no issues since I had it done. And 
I, I was glad I did it every single day. Uh, there was no time I ever thought, you know, why did I do this? It was so worthwhile. I'm so happy I did it. Aw, when did the kidney nephrectomy take place? In September 2007. And so I have to ask, have you been in touch with the kidney recipient? I have. We met a couple of months after that. He had asked if he could meet me, so we did meet um, briefly at the Cleveland Clinic. And since then, uh, we are just in touch by Facebook. Um, I, I didn't want to get any closer to him just because I was afraid I was starting the mom and tell him how to live his life. <laughs> but it was so nice to see how he was able to go on with his life and how since then he has had two children. So to me, it was like almost giving life to two more. Um, I'm just overjoyed that you know, my health allowed me to give a kidney to somebody else. And he is a wonderful man, and I'm so happy. And the fact that you can watch his life from afar, but see what your gift has allowed he and his family to enjoy, what a gift that is for you. Right, and, and we do still kind of keep in touch um, for holidays, but yeah, it, it is very good, very rewarding. You know, it's a funny thing, donor families and recipient correspondence. Obviously, we keep it anonymous until, you know, somewhere down the road that the two individuals decide to meet or exchange information. But you have to consider what the other person's expectations are. And sometimes they're just not the same. So it's interesting that you brought that point up. It's very, it's valid and very important, too. Well, I just know me. <laughs> oh, I, I don't want to give unwanted advice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You mentioned that your husband worked at the Cleveland Clinic, and ironically, he's now having some health issues, and they are talking about a kidney transplant. Uh, How is he doing, and is there any progress with being listed on the waiting list? Yes, unfortunately, he will be in need of a kidney. He is not on dialysis yet, but we do expect that it will be coming. I don't know when. However, he does have some uh, medical issues relating to his heart, which have to be resolved first before they can give him a kidney. Is there any perhaps living donor potential for him? There have been a couple of family members who have asked if they could be tested to possibly be his donor. I don't know how that is going to go, but they they would like to be considered. Well, that's good. That's always a great thing. That's a great thing. And so when he's at that point where he's able to have a transplant, you know, hopefully you guys will be ready to go. Yes. As I mentioned, April is National Donate Life Month, and we're all about it at LifeBank. And Karen, just being a bone marrow donor, a living kidney donor, and hopefully soon to be the wife of a kidney recipient, what are your views about organ donation and um, people registering their decision? Since I 
got my first driver's license. And, and I believe way back, even way back then, uh, they were asking if we want to be on the list to be a donor if something should happen to us. And way back then, I said yes. So I do believe very strongly in this. It's hard for me to even articulate how a person feels once they're able to do it. If somebody else is in need and you're able to give it, I would urge everybody to consider it if they're able to do it. We often share a statistic that you are six times more likely to be in need of an organ transplant than to meet medical criteria to be an organ donor. Fact is, less than 2% of the U.S. population dies in a way that allows for organ donation to take place. And then only about half of them go through to be organ donors. So there's this huge disparity of the waiting list and those that can be donors. So we continue to encourage people to make that donation decision. And then also, I think what's important is to share it with your family. Oh, absolutely. And as before I decided to give my kidney, I did have discussions with my family because they had to be on board as well. And they, none of them tried to discourage me. They all knew it was something that I needed to do. And I think they were happy I did. I'm sure they're so proud of you. I mean, how amazing. I am very fortunate. I'm very happy that the person who received my bone marrow it was successful. The person who received my kidney was successful. Here we are 14 years later, and he just sent me a text saying his kidney's still doing extremely well. So I'm very happy to support your organization. And if anybody has any questions, I'd be glad to talk to anybody about what it's like to be a living kidney donor. Well, Karen, that's very generous of you to make that offer. And if you're considering living kidney donation and have questions that you would like to ask, send them to info at lifebanc.org. That's info at lifebank.org. And we'll make sure that we can connect you with Karen and uh, she can share her experience with you in more detail. Well, Karen, we appreciate you taking time today to share your story with us and for stepping up and becoming a volunteer for LifeBank. It's a perfect time. We're getting back out in the public and we're doing programming again in person. Our walk and run and our over the edge event are in person. So we're thrilled. And we just appreciate the extra support and another pair of hands to help us fulfill our mission. I'm glad to do whatever I can to help. Thank you, Colleen. As I mentioned earlier in the episode, LifeBank is so fortunate to have wonderful partner organizations who support our mission of saving and healing lives. Browse McDowell is one such organization and they have generously sponsored two episodes of Let's Talk About Life. Ross McDowell is a 100-year-old business law firm based in Northern Ohio, with offices in Akron, Cleveland, Toledo, and Youngstown, Ohio, and Naples, Florida. The firm's attorneys serve clients ranging from the nation's largest corporations 
to mid-market entities, sole proprietorships, municipalities, and nonprofits. We know that donation and transplantation can happen to anyone at any time. And our guest today has experienced that himself. Jerry Whitmer is an attorney who works at Browse McDowell. When his family found themselves facing a life and death situation. Jerry, thank you so much for being here with us and sharing your experience. Your wife, Kathleen, was a transplant recipient. Can you share about why she needed a transplant? Well, in 1978, she was diagnosed with a sarcoma tumor on the wall of Regina Cava, which is almost always fatal. And Dr. Lockery at what was then City Hospital was dentist surgery, and he removed that tumor and then sent us off to National Institute of Health for a experimental treatment that they were using, and it damaged her heart. So she was placed on the waiting list for a heart transplant? Not initially, but that was in 1980 at National Institutes of Health for her last chemotherapy treatment. And she didn't get a heart from the Cleveland Clinic until 1989. Oh, my goodness. I think the waiting must have been the most difficult part, no? Well, she wasn't placed on the uh, transplant list until two years before she actually got it. And uh, one night, we got a call like two or three in the morning that they had a heart for her. And we traveled to Cleveland, and when we got there, they told us the heart had been rejected. So she finally got one in uh, 1989, and she was only number 734. Yeah, I think they've done a couple more since then, right? <laughs> yeah, just a few, maybe a few thousand. Yeah, absolutely. But she lived for many years after the transplant, and from what you shared with me earlier, She accomplished so many things. She was really an amazing individual. What were some of the things that she liked to do and that she was able to do because of her her donor hero and her heart transplant? Well, at the time of her diagnosis, she was a professor in the College of Fine and Professional Arts at Kent State University. But she was unable to go back to that position after her operation. And eventually, the headmaster at Old Trail School talked her into the idea of becoming the artist in residence, which she did and was there for many years. And besides that, she painted uh, probably over 200 paintings, wrote four books, and delivered over 50 inspirational speeches. My goodness. That's a lot of work in in that time period. Well, only a 10-year window, so she did do a lot of work in a short period of time. But she was very intelligent and very friendly. So, Jerry, since you've had this personal experience, what would you like to say about organ donation and, of course, your wife's donor that gave you almost 10 years with her? Yes, it did. And I would encourage everyone to get on the donor's list. And if happens that their life is shortened for any reason, they could save a lot of lives by the organs which they could donate. And I would encourage them to do that. Did you know anything about your wife's donor? We did. 
and we corresponded with him for a while. We did learn that it was a young lady who had been in an accident when she was 18, and she was on life support for many years, and then she got some sort of respiratory problem, and they had to make a decision, and they decided to take her off of life support and donate all her organs. She probably saved eight or nine people that day. And what a legacy of life that she left. Oh, yes. My Very goodness. much so. Well, Jerry, thank you for sharing your story. I hope it's a benefit. Oh, it absolutely will. It's wonderful. And we were so thankful to Browse. So nice that you guys did this. We appreciate it very much. Well, life brings a great thing. Without it, a lot of people wouldn't get the chance for a second life. You're absolutely right. It's an amazing mission we have. All right, Jerry. Thank you so much. I appreciate you. Okay. Thank you, Colleen. We hope you found today's episode informative and inspirational. You know, you can save lives simply by going to lifebanc.org and registering your donation decision. You can catch Let's Talk About Life on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, but you can always find it at lifebank.org. We thank you for listening and we hope you come back next time. And come on, let's talk about life. Thank you for listening to Let's Talk About Life. If you have questions about today's podcast, reach out to us at info at lifebank.org. Take a few minutes to do something heroic and register to be an organ donor by saying yes at lifebank.org. Literally, someone's life is depending on it.